Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. E-S-N-Y. The offseason is finally over. Scheduling hell, illnesses, and all that shit are finally done. How's it going, folks? It is Bleacher Creatures episode number 154. Brought to you, as always, by Elite Sports NY, uh, XL Media, Crossing Broad, War Gaming, and, per usual, Rivercrest NYC. Wait, what the? Okay, before we start out, I gotta point out, like, uh, this is a cat-shaped paperclip <laughs> I, that I did not know existed until now. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Maybe your daughter has special abilities. Uh, no, this is my <laughs> wife being a crazy cat lady and being, ooh, this thing looks like a cat. I'm going to buy it. And then I throw it back into the thing. Also, <laughs> uh, well, you guys can't see this See this um, because one reason that we stopped doing the podcast for a while without me actually saying it, I started because when I am not doing the podcast, I'm still sitting in front of a computer screen all day, writing for Elite Sports NY, scouring social media, doing whatever. Guess who started developing ocular headaches and now has to has to wear these damn glasses whenever I'm at the computer. Are those the blue light? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about getting a pair of those too because I'm sitting in front of the computer all day also writing up sports memorabilia stuff. So like, Are you getting the headaches? <sighs> my eyes have adjusted. I think at first they were definitely, but I, I kind of want to save the strain. It, it starts out... Uh, the headaches don't come until you're like way, way deep in like I was. This started out just as general drowsiness. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to up hydration. I'm going to have another cup of coffee. Yeah. But then the headaches started. Then like Now, I don't know if any of our listeners here have have migraines, but you had this like pulsating, throbbing pain, like directly behind your eye, behind like the back of your eyeballs. And it is on bad days. It can be crippling. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I went on Amazon. Now, now, granted, these things are these glasses I'm wearing are are a little old. I had these for a while. These are straight up non-prescription Amazon blue light glasses that it's just straight plastic in there. But I'm telling you, man, I start using these whenever I'm on the computer, day, night. What a league of improvement! <laughs> oh Wait, god, are we being sponsored for this episode? We got I... <laughs> Amazon. Get, send me all. Send me all the blue light glasses. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so Yankee spring training, we were back in the swing of things. Uh, nothing too crazy to report going in. Uh, Donaldson, everyone seems to think he's going to bounce back. Aaron Judge is spurning the World Baseball Classic to focus on New York, as he says. Everyone else looks pretty good. Uh, but the only main injury concern, when Frankie Montas is your number five starter, and there's reports that he might miss the entire season and that's the worst thing you have to worry about. I'd say your team's in a pretty good place. 
Yeah, but you know, am, am I crazy or was everything that came out today made it seem like it was not well, nearly as bad as we thought it was going to be? Yes, yes. So exactly. So we're recording this on Ash Wednesday, February twenty second, exactly a week ago, February fifteenth. It was reported that Montas was simply going to have surgery. Was gonna was, and if he came back, it would probably be late end of the season. So we find out today. Hey. Just a general cleanup procedure. The rotator cuff is fine. Like the fr- the the labrum might have been a little frayed up, so they took care of that. So now he's not going to throw it for twelve weeks. So that puts you at mid May, May seventeenth to be exact. So then you figure, okay, he needs about two months to ramp up. Mm-hmm. So that put that puts you about a week after the All Star break. But depending on where he is, they might want to play it a little conservative. So now you're looking at maybe a mid August return, and right around playoff time, that's not terrible. No, absolutely not. And kind of like what you said, you know, for a rotation now that's suddenly very deep and that's your biggest concern. Like, you know what? I'll take it because I'm confident with the four other guys who are going to be in that rotation as long as they stay healthy. And, you know, if they got to piecemeal it for that fifth rotation, that fifth spot. Yeah. You know, get the get the procedure done now. And, you know, Montaz, we'll see you in August. Yeah, I mean, and it's also a sign that the way Brian Cashman for the last five or so years was evaluating pitchers simply wasn't working mm-hmm. because they knew his shoulder was barking when they, when he came over, he was pitching hurt all last year. Max Greenfield, a great friend of the show has been saying as such. Yeah. Uh, however, I've got to hand it to Brian Cashman. It seems that this off season, he really took a look inside himself and said, you know what? Like, or maybe Hal told him, Whatever, whatever you're doing, this isn't the way. Let's get Brian Sabian back in the building. He knows how to develop young arms out of nowhere. Let's get over Manaya here. He's good with international free agents. So it's really like a brain trust of front office personnel and not just Brian Cashman and his lap dogs. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's the important thing. It's a, you know, you gotta have some guys who have been in positions of power independent of Cashman and the Yankees and who have kind of developed their own system that you know, whether it's been successful or not, uh, you know, I guess that's kind of dependent on the individual. Um, but when you have a lot of those, uh, that kind of brain trust, you know, you're not just relying on one guy, it becomes a collaborative effort. And I think that is like the way this team needs to go because, you know, we've had Cashman in charge for like singularly in charge for how long? And- Him solely making the decisions. It's a, almost 20 years. Exactly. So, you know, obviously something is not working where out of those 20 years, you got one title to show for it. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, it it was nice to see, you know, I I think like, you know, the hiring of like Matt Blake from a few years ago, like those are the stepping stones. And this is just kind of further progressing up the staircase where it's like, hey, we're going to get closer to having that front office that's making correct decisions and is addressing issues that, you know, everyone else can kind of see playing the Yankees and they've just taken a while to be remedied. So. Uh, I cannot find enough good things to say about Brian Sabian because we all know he got to start with the Yankees as, you know, like scouting player development was a big, uh, I think Cashman called him the secret MVP. (laughs) <laughs> of building the night of building the nineties Yankees. Cause he's one of the guys who scouted Bernie Williams and Andy Pettit and Mariano Rivera. Meanwhile, he goes to the giants and they win three world series in what is it? Five years. 
Yeah, five, five six years. Yeah, enough to be probably considered a dynasty. Absolutely enough yeah. to be considered a dynasty. And what was what did all those teams have in common? They had great pitching. Oh man, Tim Lincecum. <laughs> yeah. uh, he the pitching ninja has been floating some of his stuff on social media again and it's just man that dude had such a vice grip on like the 2010s like, yeah he was, he was incredible and matt kane and his prime before his arm gave out was great jonathan sanchez threw a no-hitter yeah and, and it, was, it was fun having like jake peavy kind of in the yeah. back there yeah, and, and if you look at the way those lineups were constructed, there weren't any big boppers in that lineup. It was a it was an ATN Park ATT Park team. You had Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, and a bunch of guys who just pitched literally pitched their arms off in yeah. some cases. Yeah. And so Sabian, he's probably gonna look take his formula from San Francisco, apply it to whatever Cashman's doing right or wrong, and say, Okay, this is a good system. Let's make these little tweaks here and there. Exactly. I mean, because I think you could say on paper, like a, a team like the Yankees going into this year is probably more talented than any of the teams that won, you know, any of San Francisco's teams that won the World Series those years, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the difference is they have the established veteran ace and Garrett Cole as opposed to homegrown talent. They, I mean, they also got San Francisco's old, old ace, Carlos Radon. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you see him report to camp with the Gidry mustache? No, I didn't. Yeah, he he came in like uh, maybe he's just a big guy. And this is how he carries himself, but he came in looking like a little old school ball player, chubby, a little bit kind of <laughs> yeah, like. You, wait, I I did see a uh, an interview like like where there was the media scrum in front of his locker, and I was like, this dude looks like he came straight out of the eighties. <laughs> probably just probably rolled into camp with a six pack, you know, slung over his shoulder. You know, just being like, all right, I'm ready to throw 98. Let's get started. Uh, did you uh, when you were when you were in school? Was Doug Mirabelli's day still popular among baseball social media? No, I don't think so. Have you heard of this? Uh, no, I have not. Oh God. Okay, we're gonna do a little brief detour, guys. This is some uh, Red Sox comedy. So Doug Mirabelli, as uh, most fans know was Tim Wakefield, the knuckleballer, his personal catcher during his days at the Red Sox. He worked so well together that in one offseason, Doug Mirabelli was traded to the Padres for Josh Bard, veteran backup catcher, former Yankees bench coach. Josh Bard could not catch the knuckleball. So Josh Bard was traded back to the Padres for Doug Mirabelli in like May. And they and they had like a I think they had like a police escort get him to the ballpark ahead of a Yankees Red Sox game or something like that. God. Anyway, so he kind of became a cult hero just because he was also a college legend. Uh, I, think, I, th- I think at like Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Anyway, Doug Mirabelli's day. Nine o'clock. We're, we're not going to do the whole thing, but I'll read some of the highlights. Nine o'clock. Shakes off the cobwebs and gets out of bed. 901 lets out a blistering fart and takes 90 second piss on his hands, farts five more times. Jesus. 903 drinks three raw eggs, Rocky Balboa style, and opens the fridge. Wait, did you say piss on his hands? Yeah. Correctly? Oh, God. <laughs> the Moise Salud special. I I had college teammates who would do that shit, and I didn't. Like, I swear to God about the whole, like, you know, it stops you from getting blisters. And I just looked at him like, you guys are. Fucking psychotic. <laughs> That's disgusting. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to name names, but if they end up listening to this podcast, you know who you all are. <laughs> you guys are foul. Shame <laughs> on you and shame on your children. I, I, I hope, I hope when you have children, you have a son he pees in your face, and you know the shame of it all. 
<laughs> okay, I'm getting off of it. Um, oh yeah, nine nine fifteen, and grunts at his wife and gives his kids twenty bucks each to leave him alone. Yeah. So Carlos Rodon came in very much with that energy. Yeah. He's apparently an avid hunter. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> yeah, Carolina guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I saw I, the I, video of him striking out. Was it Rizzo with a nice like? you know, heater under the hands. Probably might have been, yeah. Speaking of guys striking people out in batting practice, how about this kid Johnny fucking Brito, huh? Striking out Judge Rizzo and, I'm sorry, Judge Giancarlo Stanton and Josh Donaldson. Hey, I said it on social media. Three MVPs. Socrates, I don't give a damn. Oh, shut up, Alec. (laughs) I want a team of just Greek philosophers. I want Socrates I want, uh, there was like an Archimedes, I think, in, in the MLB at some point. Archimedes Pozo. Yeah. yeah. Red Sox uh, outfielder. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, you know, I don't know much about Johnny Brito. Is So um, he's about to turn 25. I think, I think he did. He, yeah, I think he either turns 25 this weekend or he turns 25 already this week. Um, but he's a Dominican kid, solid 3-4 pitch mix, big soft contact guy. So he's not going to have a bunch of strikeouts, but he doesn't really walk a ton of guys either. He's got really good control. Uh, 2.96 ERA between double and triple A last year. Pretty, sol- pretty solid whip. Uh, here's what I liked about him. He went to the Dominican this year, played in four games, all in relief, and his case per nine jumped to like, I think, 11 or 12. And he okay. still kept the walks down. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the screen is brightened. Alec is looking him up. Yeah. But yeah. So, I, but I think it's gonna. It's a solid fastball slider changeup mix. There might be a curveball in there somewhere. Uh, he's the Yankees' number twenty-two prospect. Uh, okay. I think he's definitely a dark horse to uh, beat out Clark Schmidt and or Domingo Herman for the number five spot. I don't think it's going to happen necessarily. I think that he's going to probably start the season in Scranton, but the moment somebody gets hurt this year in the rotation, I'm pretty sure he's getting the first call. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it sounds like he'll be the top of the, like, emergency call-up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it kind of, it sounds like you were kind of describing a bit of a, uh, like, right-handed um, Nestor Cortez. I wouldn't go so far as to say Nestor Cortez, just from, like, just from, like, the the limited tape I've watched on Brito, I I thought more Ivan Nova, but more of a control guy as opposed to velocity. Okay. Because Brito's velocity, I think I got to double check it. I think it runs maybe 93, 94, whereas Nova could bump it up to 96, 97 if he wanted to. It says that in 2022, he was working 94 to 96 and he touched 98. Huh. And he was throwing a two-seamer and a four-seamer. He has one of the best change-ups in the system. Yep. Uh, at mid eighties with fade, slider cutter, and he's got a so-so curveball. Curveball uh, is at a forty-five on their scouting grade. And the best of all, I'm pretty sure he's already had Tommy John surgery too, so that's not something you need to worry about yes, anytime he, soon. He missed all of 2018, followed Tommy John, and lost 2020 due to the pandemic. So, not uh, a lot of what's, on what do we arm. say? What do we say about the Yankees and pitching all the time? College arms. In the international market. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, like, from what they were saying is, like, you know, it seems like his floor is a multi-innings reliever. Okay, great. So his floor, he's maybe Johnny Lewisica, but with a little more life. Yeah. We'll see. We got to talk more about Tommy Tightpants being back in the bullpen. 
<laughs> Tommy Canley, who's now like all in on Andy Reid and the Chiefs after being an Eagles fan for years. <laughs> he admitted on R2C too. He's like, nah, like after they let Doug Peterson go, I was done. Wow. Hey, hey, respect that he stuck by his guns there. Yeah. They're stuck to his guns. Yeah, you know, I, I've always said the changeup is the most underrated pitch in baseball. And when you just got a guy like Tommy Canley who can just offer that different look, I mean, you know, a guy who like, like he's a guy who throws a good changeup to the point where, you know, it almost looks like a left handed cutter or slider. Yeah. yeah I mean, he, he owns lefties. And so, like, that's always an important thing because, you know, I've always thought it's nice to have, and I think the Yankees have been moving towards this a little bit better in their bullpen is they're starting to change the looks, you know, especially with like, now you got not only a really good changeup in Canely, but you already had the great changeup in Marinaccio. Yep. Then you have the, the hard sinker slider combination in Holmes and in, in um, Loizaga. Like, so you're offering now different looks and guys who are going to be able to pitch to different situations. And it's not just going to be, okay, here comes a mid to high nineties, fastball with a low 90 slider which you know i i say that sounding ridiculous because like none of us can hit that but you know it's always important it's kind of like the whole idea with how the tampa bay rays you know addressed their bullpen where they had relievers throwing from every single different hour on the clock so yeah you know and then just who who doesn't love tommy canley with that with that at, with the, his personality, you know, it just brings life into a historically stale organization. Yep. And now that he is uh, back on the team, he has definitely got the cutest wife out of all the guys. So <laughs> sorry, Amy Cole. Uh, I have a type. Oh, God. All, all respect, Tommy and Veronica. I love you guys. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, well, uh, expand on uh, what you just said there. What makes the change of the most underrated pitch in baseball? Well, it, you know, especially when, you know, one, like one thing I think that uh, I always like to go back on is remember when Garrett Cole threw the complete game shutout and he threw a 105 mile an hour fastball on his penultimate pitch and then he followed it up with like a 96 mile an hour changeup. You're talking against the Astros at one time? I think it was. And I think Lindsey Adler asked him in the post games, like, was that last pitch a 96-mile-an-hour changeup? And he goes, yeah. And her next question was just like, how? And he kind of summed it up perfectly where it's, you know, you're we're in such a time of high velo and throwing hard. Yeah. And sliders – are really effective pitches. And I do believe like a slider is one of the hardest pitches, if not the hardest pitch to hit, but not everyone can like, like, like the slider is easier to pick up than the changeup, in my opinion, especially with the guys who can really zero in on the window. We've all heard about the window where a guy's releasing his pitch, you know, Mm -hmm. You'd be able to see the, the the turn of the wrist or the slightly different position of, of the fingers on the ball and how it comes out of the hand. Now, recognizing is different from laying off, but, you know, those two are very distinctly different pitches. You don't usually always have a, oh, that slider looked like a fastball, you know, 75% of the way. It's You can see the spin relatively early. It's just a matter of, you know, adjusting – okay, does it look like a strike out of the hand or not? So a guy might swing 
at a slider that's six feet outside, but he's not swinging at it thinking it's a fastball. He's thinking, well, that slider looked like it was coming at this height, and I thought I was going to be able to make contact at least, and I just, you know, whatever. Right. With the changeup, what makes it so effective is that you have to maintain the similar arm speed as you would throwing the fastball. And because you have you throw that change up with like a fat wrist in the same mm-hmm. way that you're throwing a, a fastball, yeah. so the the you know the tendons of your wrist are facing and the underside of your forearm are facing the batter. Same thing with the changeup, even if you're going with the circle change. Yeah, harder for a hitter to pick up, and if you're maintaining the arm speed, they're not going to really know the difference as you release it. And what we're seeing now, which is really cool, because Growing up, you've always had to been told your changeup needs to be an X amount of miles per hour slower than your fastball. Right. That's not the case anymore. So if you look at a guy like Jacob deGrom, or if you look at a guy like Eric Cole who throws that really hard changeup, the movement itself is going to create enough of a difference to where it doesn't matter how hard you're throwing it it's going to be an incredibly effective pitch. And it's just, and it's also the easiest pitch to learn in my, you know, some, some people might disagree, but you know, I pitched in high school and I pitched in college and I wasn't the greatest pitcher in the world, but I could make spot starts. I could be effective. And I only did that with a fastball and a changeup. I, my curveball, I didn't really get down until after my playing career, which is oddly enough. Um, (laughs) different story but everyone talks about okay fastball slider fastball slider and yes those are two really good really effective pitches and we do see guys like severino and cole thrive on those two pitches but how much more impressive was like luis severino and all of a sudden he's throwing that change up for strikes or that cover that he added last year yeah exactly so it just adds a slightly different dynamic you know you kind of you can kind of look at if I'm thinking of it from a hitter's perspective and I'm facing a guy who's throwing just a fastball and a slider, I have a general idea of what direction his pitches are going to go away from me or just straight down. Right. Mm-hmm. Fastball, unless they have a riding fastball or that two seamer that runs in, nothing's really coming into me. So if I'm, if I'm facing that guy, I might might be, okay, if I see the slider, I'm going to have to know I got to dissect the plate horizontally, or I'm sorry, vertically, so that there's the outside and the inside half, and that pitch starts at a certain distance past that center line, I'm going to lay off of it, right? Sure. It'll leave you susceptible to the backdoor fastball for sure, but you won't be chasing that, that slider as often as the pitcher would want you to. Well, as soon as you throw in that changeup, now you have a pitch that's going to be high velocity going straight with possible run in on that fastball, the slider that dives away from you. And if you're a right-handed hitter and you're facing a right-handed pitcher, that changeup's going to come into you. So now you got three pitches. And if you, you know, anyone there who's looking at pitching ninjas, you know, overlays and the and the tails of the pitches, now you got three pitches going in drastically different directions but starting in a similar spot. And I just think that's a really effective way to just expand your game as a pitcher. And like I said, changeups are one of the easier pitches to learn to throw. It's just that we don't teach it as much and everyone gets so fo- focused on the curveball. So yeah. that's I definitely, 
No, I definitely think you're honest with me because you you mentioned being in an era of velo when contrastingly we're coming up on the end, hopefully, of an era where we're obsessed with power on the hitting mm-hmm. side. Why is everyone throwing fastballs and sliders? Because those are the two big strikeout pitches, because everyone's trying to hit the ball over the shift. We don't have the shift anymore. We're gonna have we're about to enter, knock on knock on wood, a new era of contact hitting. We're gonna maybe see some more finesse pitchers like Johnny Rito, like Clark Schmidt even like a Domingo Herman, uh, just, just come to the mound and just work those corners and just kind of keep guys guessing with not so much strikeout pitches like the slider or the curveball, but with that changeup, which in itself can be a strikeout pitch, but then you're also going to miss time somebody swing and get some soft contact, hopefully. Yeah, I'm like, it's just, it's going to add another, you know, layer to the onion that a hitter is going to have to work his way through. You know, it, like, Pitchers might see strikeout num- strikeout numbers go up for them individually with an effective pitch like that, you know, yeah. just because it, it's just a new thing that the hitter needs to prepare for. I'm like, remember when Steven Strasburg made his debut? Yeah. Like he was kind of like the first guy where I really saw it, where he was throwing the high mid to high nineties fastball, a devastating breaking pitch that looked like it was moving four feet. And all of a sudden he's like, Oh, here, let me drop in a changeup That's going to move an extra four feet in the opposite direction. I mean, as a hitter, you know, every hitter is different. Every guy prepares differently. Yeah. I'm not saying I can go out there and, you know, hit major league pitching. Um, but I know like from my experience in, in college, it was, if the guy was only a two pitch pitcher, that made my job a little bit easier than having to face a guy who had three, four quality pitches. So. Yeah. And backtracking even more, like this this goes to how the Yankees were building their bullpen because we started this conversation with Tommy Canley's changeup. It used to be, okay, it's a the American League East is a hard-hitting division. The game itself became a very hard-hitting game. Home runs were skyrocketing all over the place. I mean, the moment Hunter Renfro has a 30-home run season, you know something's wrong. But, <clears throat> but then as a result, you saw these... Now, I say this about, I say this about relief pitchers all the time. Most of these guys throw maybe two pitches, and on any given night, only one is working. Yeah. And so to go from the fastball slider closers like Araldus Chapman, Zach Britton was in there with his two-seamer in the slider, uh, you're kind of foregoing strikeouts and for guys who, yeah, they can get a high case per nine, but they also want to make sure their walks are going to stay down, and you're looking for that changeup, that cutter, that, that like go-to pitch that isn't so much going to strike somebody out, but it's going to maybe put the ball in play and make so your life easier for yourself and your fielders. Yeah. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's like when you have these two pitch pitchers, how often do we see one of those pitches just not working? And you named a role Chapman where too many times you saw none of the pitches were working, but like we yeah. saw it with Clay Holmes a little bit where right. – he couldn't locate the sinker. And then if you can't locate the sinker, then the slider is ineffective. Yeah. And then vice versa. If the slider is not working, and then the sinker is just going to be one of those pitches where, you know, these are major league hitters. They can hit high-velocity sinkers. So, it yeah, you hope that there's going to be a trend towards the more complete relief pitcher. And, and you know, hopefully, like, the young guys who are coming up see the value in that, especially if yeah. you're a guy who's a borderline reliever slash starter, and, mm-hmm. you know, and if the one thing that's holding you back is, you know, that third pitch, 
third, you know, just even average pitch to keep hitters honest on the other two, that's going to go a long way. And we kind of saw it with, you know, with Marinaccio figuring it out. Like we know he has a slider. It's not the best slider in the organization, but it's not. serviceable enough that's made more effective by his ability to throw a changeup and then his fastball, which is like 94, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, Rod Marinaccio's problems last year were largely because he's a local kid from Tom's River, New Jersey, who like took the mound and realized, oh shit, I'm in Yankee Stadium. Oh shit, now I have base runners. Oh shit, I have base runners. And then it just took took Booney or Blake to say, hey, hey, kid, 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 we know what you can do. Just go out there and pitch. Yeah. And that's the thing. He went out there and pitched. He didn't just go out there and throw. When he first came up, it looked like he was a little bit like just throwing. Yeah. But then when it clicked, it clicked and he became a pitcher and a very, you know, important piece in that bullpen before he got hurt. Yeah, like I oh god, I remember I can I can hear my high school pitching coach saying right now, like to one of our pitchers, you're trying to aim it. I just need you to throw it. Yeah. And it's funny how like what wisdom yeah. you get years after the fact when, when you think about what that means. Yeah. Ugh. Oh man, it's, it's, I got, we could probably fill a book together with just some of the goofy shit we heard tonight. Okay, I I, I got to tell this high school story just because I I revisited it the other day with somebody else. It, it's too funny. So, um, you know, you know Randall's Island in the city, or you've heard of it at least. Yes. Okay, so Randall's Island is smack dab in the middle of the East River. There's mm-hmm. some soccer fields there. There's a couple of uh, psych hospitals. Uh, the Fire Academy has its training there. Uh, they also have some concerts. Um, but one and one thing they do have is practice fields for baseball and softball. So one particular thing, one particular year, I think I think this was my first year of uh, freshman baseball, or I'm sorry, varsity baseball. We're going out there for a practice just to play each other. Like it's the start of the season. Our backup catcher is this big, beefy dude. Like you look at this guy and go, yeah, yeah, he's a catcher. This guy is a catcher. He's a freshman, just like me. Like the co- like coach took one look at him and said, "All right, you're bigger than all, you're than anyone here. We're gonna put you behind the plate. No ball's gonna get past you." Sure enough, what happened? Um, nothing got past him. Uh, but all of a sudden, we're sitting there driving to Randall's Island. Now it smells on Randall's Island to begin with, but you know what the smell is like. Out comes this smell where it's like a combination of like chemicals from the fire academy dirt garbage and just the worst fart you can imagine our third baseman this guy keith just goes to the top of his lungs oh my jesus and sure enough we all look at the catcher dave and he's got the biggest shit-eating grin on his face (laughs) (laughs) he's like yeah that was me (laughs) and then sure and turns out we had like the best practice ever that day losing everyone up yeah those are the best those are the best times when just you know something like that happens and everyone's just loose and it becomes one of the best days to practice especially in a string where you're just like oh i hate this yeah but anyway um what we're gonna talk about (laughs) wait wait, hold on i was thinking oh um yeah you know what um would you say that uh holmes has the closer's job for him to lose or what do you think yeah yeah, I mean, like, you just kind of go with something that's familiar right now, and then if yeah. someone else kind of proves himself maybe in the spring or through the first couple months of the season and you see Clay Holmes is struggling, then you can make the change. But, you know, I'm comfortable going into the season with Holmes as the guy. Agreed. I think that you go, you're rolling the camp saying, okay, you know what? 
this guy, for all intents and purposes, is the closer. We're going to use him like we would any other closer. He's going to have the same routine as Chapman, Rivera, all the guys prior to him like they would in spring training. This is the guy. Then you monitor the control, see how the sinker looks. You get a, a sense of how his health is because he was dealing with, you know, shoulder, back. He, he was just tired in the last yeah. year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so now you see what he's up to this time around and make sure that his control is up to speed, make sure the sinker is cutting across both planes like a slider would, make sure the slider is ducking down like it needs to be. And then you monitor guys like a Loisaga, like Canely, like a Wandy Peralta, and figure, okay, like in case of an emergency, can these guys also uh, serve that role? Maybe even give them some save opportunities along the way. It's a long spring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the bullpen is my least concern. Um, hmm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to slightly disagree there. Now, now you're absolutely right in that if there's one thing Brian Cashman can do, it can, re- he can rebuild a bullpen from the ground up like that. Yeah. Like it, that's something he can do with his sleep, but this is even so this is still very much a year where we go into spring training, not quite knowing what everyone's job is. Okay. We just said Clay Holmes is the closer. Great. Who's going to be the bridge that leads up to him? Yeah, I mean, like you can mix, you can mix and match a bunch. I think I feel like you're a little bit more critical of a guy like Loizaga than maybe some other people are. Like, I uh, you still seem hesitant to like trust them. I trust them. I, th- I, I think, think I, I think I'm just anxious about his health. That's fair. That's fair. But like, you know, he's he's one of my go-to guys. We still have Peralta, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wandy's still there. I I would trust. I would still trust Loisaga in the eighth or in the eighth or ninth inning. I'm just like every when when he's not healthy, he's just that much worse. Is the thing? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but you know, I I I'm intrigued to see Marinaccio have an expanded role, maybe mm-hmm. kind of climbing up the trust tree for Boone. Um, I was yeah, shocked to I, learn he's still he's still working his way back from the shin thing. Oh, is he? Yeah, I mean, maybe he just. Uh, Rested a little too long in the off season. Who knows? Yeah. The stress, yeah. stress reactions are weird, man. They really are. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think. Look, we got we got rid of the biggest question mark in Chapman. <laughs> He's and... on the Royals now. Yeah. Smell you. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, the bullpen isn't. I'm I'm more concerned about the lineup than I am about the bullpen still. So. Yeah, I mean, DJ LeMay, who says he feels great. We'll see how it translates to spring training games. Um, Judge, I'm not worried about. Neither, same with Rizzo. Like, Rizzo says, oh, like, the back's always going to be a problem. Okay, he's in his 30s. It's yeah. It happens. Honestly, I'm not really even that concerned with, with John Carlo. No. Not... If, if he's healthy, he'll hit his fair share of home runs. He'll strike out a bunch of times. It, it is what it is at this point. He'll it's go beast more... mode in October. Yeah, expecting more out of him is just foolishness. You know, it's just I'm I'm I can't help but shake the feeling like I can't shake the feeling that you know a missed opportunity there from Cashman of trying to upgrade you know, left field and and third base to an extent. Like yeah. I, I I'm not fully gonna buy into the whole Josh Donaldson is gonna have a bounce back because like in on one hand his velo was still relatively good. But on the other hand, his launch angle was awful. I'm like, for a guy who has been so vocal about the evils of ground balls to the point where it's almost a meme, like (laughs) a ton of fucking balls on the ground. And it's just not going to cut it, dude. 
Yeah, I mean, whether it was injury or just like, I mean, like I I think Donaldson was having like a mental health thing going on at some point last season, just because I follow his fiance on Instagram. Uh, mm-hmm. Brianna is her name, and once or twice she posted, um, something about men's mental health awareness, mm-hmm. and it it wasn't obvious she was talking about about Josh, but it seemed. And if if you read some of her posts about him, it's clear he's probably got like some OCD or anxiety stuff going on. Yeah, like I I I just I just remember also last year like there there's a couple a couple things that that stood out to me like remember the um the the AL East crown celebration in Toronto end of the year. Yeah, yeah, like uh, so Brianna had just had their second daughter. Uh, Meredith Morakovitz was interviewing him in the locker room. Judge and Rizzo come up to him going like, daddy, daddy, just like clearly trying to have fun with them. And he's like, he's like half laughing. He's like, no, stop, stop, stop. And then when they're doing the team picture, they're trying to get him to join in, trying to find a place for him. And sure enough, when he enters the picture, everyone just goes, yeah, like that. Like they're really yeah. trying to put him over. So like, I don't know, like me, look, I know that across the board, Josh Donaldson is he probably kind of a jerk? Yeah, maybe. Like he's got he's got a rep. I don't know the man personally. I'd I'd love nothing more than to sit and talk with him for a little bit. Um, but it's clear, like based on those things, maybe something was going on that was kind of like like I don't know, giving him some yips at the plate. And I saw teammates who were trying to make him feel included, make him feel like, hey, hey, you're still struggling, but you're still part of the team. Yeah. So like maybe he just sort of needed like a mental break in the off season to sort of just to sort of busy himself with whatever he's in Tampa now. And okay. He struck out against Johnny Brito. It's the first batting practice. He's shaking off the cobwebs. Yeah. So, and, and even, and even if he eats again this year, okay. So there'll probably be some team if they can find a buyer for Joey Gallo, they'll find one for Josh Donaldson at the deadline. Absolutely. And then you could probably solve your third base problem in house. Like Cashman is Cashman would have already said that all of Cabrera Volpe and Peraza. That's Oswaldo Cabrera, Anthony Volpe, the big man in the house, and uh, and Oswald Peraza, the other big man in the house. They are they're going to play multiple infield positions this spring. Maybe it's going to be third base for for one of those guys. I think putting Oswald Peraza at third base would be a phenomenal idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like they yeah they absolutely have those pieces there, and I hope they lean on those young guys early and often just to see what they got in them for this year. Not yeah. saying Volpe needs to make the team out of camp. I think Cabrera needs to be given a legitimate shot to see if he was just a flash in the pan last year or if he's actually got a future as maybe not even as a starter to make the top nine in in top nine. I've I've been watching too much soccer recently. The starting <laughs> eleven. Uh no, like you know, the the lineup for the Yankees or if he's gonna be a utility guy, which is perfectly fine. I think Peraza needs a fair shot also because like I, I think he can. Like I, I think Volpe is the shortstop of the future. There's no doubt yes. about that. But if we need, you know, three or four months of a bridge between when Volpe makes his late season debut, uh, Peraza's the dude. Peraza's not going to be any worse than what IKF was last year. I've so. heard everything I'm hearing or like whispers I've seen on Twitter seem to imply that. Peraza's probably going to be the opening day shortstop unless IKF either comes out of nowhere or Volpe just blasts his way to the top. 
I don't know. We'll see. If there's a if there's one that we got in spring training, it's options, my friend. We got lots of options. And that's the beauty of spring training. You know, it's it's nice going into it and being like, hey, there are a lot of players who you need to keep a close eye on, and none of them are the guys that are going to be like the big contributors. Like, like it's it's a good feeling. You have security. You know. You know what Judge is going to do. Judge is not going to do another 62 home run season. <laughs> don't tell him that. Well, yeah, don't yeah, don't tell him that. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he might only get to 50 this year, right? I may hit 50 this year. <laughs> so, you know, you know what you're going to get out of him. You know what you're going to get out of Rizzo. You know what you're going to get out of Stanton. You know, you know, like Her- I'm fine with Harrison Bader in center field. He doesn't need to be the big dude to, you know. He needs to be the leadoff man is what he needs to be. I agree. I agree. If he be, if he's the, the 240, 260 leadoff hitter, perfect. You know. So anyone who does a bat flip for a walk is someone I want at the top of my lineup. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, let's close with this. Uh, we're gonna get an extended look at Jason Dominguez in spring training this year. Yeah, yeah. And I'm look, like I'm so excited. I I People are people are so quick to write him off, and I the more I kind of read and watch about him, the more I think he's legit. I don't mean he's he's going to be the next Ronald Acuna Jr. or Mike Trout, but the dude is going to be a big league ball player. He, yeah. he will be a contributor to this Yankees team, and you know I I think a lot of people are going to be like. Like the criticism, I think, is a bit unfounded for him because he's still so young and he's doing big things already in the minors for a guy his age relative to his the age of his opposition. Like, does and, it does it irk you that they tried to trade him for Luis Castillo last summer? Yeah, but also, no, I don't know. Like, I don't know if Luis Castillo would have been the right guy to trade him for, but I don't think he's untouchable to the same extent of of Volpe, you know. Right. Yeah. So I like, like, and I might even value Peraza slightly higher than Dominguez, because I think the Yankees also have some more outfielding options. That can be big, like that Spencer Jones. I'm really intrigued by, and I'm. I they seem to really like Spencer Jones. Yeah, yeah, and he did he did fantastic in his debut year. Yeah, ball, and so I'm really interested. Yeah. In, you know, I'm thinking of the emperor or the um, the Palpatine uh, uh meme. I'll be watching your career with great interest. You know, so yeah, you, have, Palp- you have a Palpatine problem. Oh, dude, he's just so funny. Yeah, well, I know he's uh, not supposed to be funny, but he's so funny. Our, our neighbor is also beginning to Star Wars, and Palpatine is his favorite character in the entire series. Yeah, yeah. The what one is wrong with you people? The one-liners are gold. It's true. <laughs> good, good. You will never underestimate the power of the dark side. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like that weird, <laughs> that weird accent that Ian McDermott puts on. It's, <laughs> it's uh, uh, but yeah, I will be. We will definitely be watching Jason Dominguez in spring training this year. I mean, because oh god, like if he can be 
just like a smidge better switch hitter than Aaron Hicks. Yeah. Just, uh, I, and I think he will be because yeah. like it doesn't seem like he favors one side to the other. Um like I think he's got some I think his pop is better on the left side than it is the right side. But like yeah. you know, when Aaron Hicks hits from the right side, it looks like he's not even gonna come close to hitting a ball to touching. <laughs> Seriously. So um where would you start Dominguez this year? Double or triple A? We finished at double A last year, right? Like a handful of games, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd start him there. That's yeah, I'd start him there. Give him at or about a month, see where he's at, then promote accordingly. Yeah, even though it did, it did seem like he responded well to being under Rachel Balkovic. Uh, Balkovic, yeah, yeah. Like it seemed like they kind of developed a good trust with yeah. each other. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, shifting back to Spencer Jones, I. I really appreciate what he's all about. He's set to do this spring. He's already said like he wants to like get face to face with Judge, learn the training regimen, learn the diet, learn the sleep pattern. Just like how do you stay healthy when you're like this big dude? Yeah, in Major yeah. League Baseball. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, the kid it seems like he has a fantastic head on his shoulders. And you know, I mean, a- a- any ball player from friggin' Vanderbilt can sit at my table any day. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, it's like a factory there. It's disgusting. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. What, what are the big ones now? You got Vandy, LSU. I don't, know if still... the, I don't know if LSU are as big as they used to be. Like when my, when my buddy went there, they were huge because he played in his four seasons. He crossed paths with both Nola brothers, Jacoby Jones, Alex Bregman, Oh, I forgot I think, Bregman was in that was an LSU guy. I think he was a year after like DJ LeMay who graduated. So uh yeah, that that was like I think their golden age. I haven't been following up on them. As, yeah, Texas like, is still pretty good. Yeah, Texas is up there. Um Arizona. I, Wait, no, not not so much Arizona. I think FSU uh, uh, uh NC State. Yeah. Uh, I think I think um, South Carolina are still yeah. so yeah. It, it's kind of because my aunt and uncle live in live in South Carolina in North Carolina now, but in, and they were teachers for years. It's astounding how much in the springtime the Carolinas actually care about baseball. Mm. Yeah, and that's why they got to put a team in Raleigh. Get the hockey team out of there first. <laughs> Bring back the whale. Bring back the whale. Yeah. I have a coworker who's from Connecticut, and he's still bitter. <laughs> I I've seen like a remarkable amount of Hartford Whalers swag in the last like week and a half or so. One of the best logos in NHL history. Some of the best colors in NHL history. Yep. But uh, that is a baseball podcast. This is a baseball co- <laughs> podcast, folks, and we are at the end. Thanks as always for listening. Um. Yeah. We'll just we'll be back. Uh. Probably pretty weekly at this point. Now that I got now that I'm not having yep. these damn like computer headaches anymore. <laughs> and uh, Alex has his swanky new haircut. Yeah, and uh, I'm God. I'm a dad, and I look like crap. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, folks. We will see you next week, and enjoy the start of spring training.